Tandles Real Estate, she do. Uh, yeah. Whoa, Tandles Real Estate, real huh? Hey guys, thanks again for joining me. This is Tam Knows Real Estate. I am Tam. And today I have with me Janine Hunter. She's with Western Express Lending. She's a senior loan officer there. And she's going to talk to us about a new program. Well, it's not new. She just told me it wasn't new, but it's new to me. A program that has been around, but a lot of lenders do not offer it. How you can purchase a home with a 550 credit score. So I know a lot of us are in that boat. So let's get started. Hey, Janine. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. What about you? I am doing wonderful as well. Okay, wonderful. So tell me a little bit about you. I know a little bit about it, about you, but you know, just your experience in this field. I know you've been in it for more than two decades. <laughs> so give me just a little bit of background. Sure. I have been a mortgage originator off and on for the past 25 years, specializing in buyers who have credit scores from 580 to 660, who need down payment assistance. Um, so needless to say this year, the market has been very interesting for my buyers. Uh, and so when I was approached about doing this podcast on Clubhouse, which airs every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I was like, yes, this is something that people need to know that, yes, they can buy a house below a 580 credit score, um, but there are certain parameters that they need to have in place for that to happen. So thank you for allowing me to share that information with your audience today, because again, whatever we can do to help more people become homeowners, I'm more than happy to help with. Yes, definitely. And a lot of people were not aware that, you know, 550 is even a thing, you know, to be able to get a home. But as you explained to me, uh, it's something that's been around for a while, but a lot of time lenders don't want to, uh, you know, you know, uh, offer loans with a 550 credit score because it's considered high risk. So can you tell me uh, more about what would be the requirements to qualify? Sure. And this is specifically for government loans. So this is going to be for either VA or FHA. Okay. The credit score requirements is between a 500 to a 579. So you the requirement is from a 500 to a 579? Uh-huh. Okay. You have to put 10% down. Okay. So that's the first requirement. Right. Well, actually, the second requirement. First requirements, credit score 500 mm -hmm. to 579. Okay. Second requirement is 10% down. Mm -hmm. Now, how this program works best is that we are doing what is considered affordable housing, meaning that we're keeping your housing payment at 31% or less of your gross monthly income. And then the house plus debts is no more than 43% of your gross monthly income. So the and the when you say house debt, you mean DTI, debt to income ratio? Is that what you mean? Yes. Not so meaning debt to income ratio. 41%. 43. 43. Okay. So that means that your bills cannot exceed 40% of what you bring in. I'm just right. To, uh, spell that out. Clear that up. Okay. All right. And the reason why those parameters are in place is because that will assure you 
with good assets in the bank, meaning a 401k that has a good balance on it, of getting what is called an automatic approval through Fannie or Freddie. Okay. And as you know, Fannie and Freddie are the underwriting systems that we utilize in order to issue pre-approvals before it goes to an actual underwriter. Okay. And so when you say that, that is the opposite of, I guess, the manual underwriting, correct? Yes, that is so the opposite of manual. That's, yeah, that's the automated when you eat, when you first you know, submit the information is all automated and you'll get that automatic, well, not automatic, but you'll get that pre-approval. We will get what is called an approved eligible. Okay. Meaning that as long as the information that the loan officer or myself has submitted is accurate based upon what the borrower has provided, mm -hmm. the underwriter will sign off on it. Okay. And so what about, so I, and when you mentioned that it has to go through Freddie and Fannie, so what about bankruptcy? If say, for instance, um, is that something that's flagged automatically? How does that work with bankruptcy? Yes, it is flagged um, through Fannie and Freddie. And at that point, that's what makes it a manual underwrite. Right. So will it even, since you're saying they have to get the approval eligible status, and what if that uh, bankruptcy shows up? So are they able to move to the next step with the manual underwriting or are they, is that just an uh, automatic, no, we can't move forward? It depends upon the circumstances. So for example, I did a person who, and if this was a manual underwrite, who was 12 months out of a bankruptcy, the extenuating circumstance was that her son had been murdered so she filed bankruptcy because basically she could not handle the grief of her son being murdered at the same time of maintaining her financial obligations because she had to take some some time off okay so okay. traditional guidelines as it relates to a bankruptcy is that it's on a seven or a 13, it is two years from the discharge date with reestablished credit. Okay. If it's a situation to where as we are less than 24 months, it has to be the extenuating circumstances, meaning that, you know, in the case that I just mentioned, mm -hmm. it was a mother whose son was murdered. Or it could be a situation of, you know, crippling medical bills, or it could be a situation of um, loss of a spouse. So it has to be a one-time event mm -hmm. that we can see based upon this space and time, this is what happened. But it can't be a situation where as you just couldn't manage your bills and you file bankruptcy. That's not considered an extenuating circumstance. 
Okay. All righty. Because I have had, and I'm going to tell you, give you a brief example of someone who filed and she was only in the bankruptcy for six months because she realized, okay, I can handle it now. And she dismissed it on her own. However, that was only a year and a half ago. So is that right. considered, would she be able to get become eligible with that scenario or? No, uh -uh. she would have to wait the full two years. Okay. All right, got it. And so, and with and uh, next thing I want to ask you about is with student loans. Now, I know with student loans, uh, FHA normally looks at your loan as no matter if you're on an income-based payment plan or not, uh, they still consider one percent of that loan as your monthly payment. Is that still the same with student loans? So, with regards to your DTI and things like that. Well, with FHA buyers, which is primarily most of my buyers, what I am having them do now is get what is called the standard payment plan because the standard payment plan is cheaper a lot of times than the 1%. Right. So instead of, you know, them calling their lenders and saying, I want an income-based payment plan, I have them call and say, I want a standard payment plan because it's not going to be as cheap as the income-based payment plan, which FHA will not accept, but it will be cheaper than the 1% that is showing on the credit bureau report. So okay. as long as they provide me documentation showing that payment plan, then we can use that instead of the 1% that's listed on the credit bureau report. Okay, so, uh, so they will accept the standard payment plan over the 1% that that is correct okay that's that's pretty good that's pretty good okay let's see so right now um fanny and freddie have tightened up their underwriting guidelines mm -hmm. so for example a year ago i could get away with a person having isolated 30-day lates on their uh credit bureau reports and we will still be able to take them conventional now that has changed. So a lot of my student loan borrowers who had them high student loan debts, uh, we can no longer take them conventional because of the lates that's on their credit bureau reports. And most of the times it's related to the student loans. Mm -hmm. So what we're having to do is to take and flip them FHA. So that that's when we did, I did the research, found out that they would take, you know, the, the 1% plan, I mean, the standard payment plan as opposed to the 1%, had them get that. And I'm having success with getting my buyers pre-approved FHA. Okay. All right. And so what about judgments and collections? I know there's a standard uh, with what is acceptable for FHA and I guess a conventional with FA, with uh, judgments and collections. Is that, can you explain that? Sure. Anytime it's more than $2,000 collectively. So all the judgments, collections, anytime it's more than $2,000, depending upon what type it is, medical, we're not so much concerned about, but repossessed cars, um, Sprint bills, T-Mobile bills, uh, Kings Island tickets, what have you, depending upon what type of debt it is, we may be able to take 5% of the outstanding principal balance and qualify you with that. Or 
if it's a situation where we can't do that, then it has to be paid off in order to get you to debt ratio. Okay. What about um, if the, the collection or the judgment is for rent or uh, yeah, an eviction or something like that? Most definitely anything related to housing has to be paid off because in the underwriter's mind, the reason why that, you know, the judgment or collection is there is because you did not meet your obligation for housing. And since we're going to be giving you tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to do a mortgage, the underwriter wants to be assured that in a sense, you've taken care of that obligation and can now move forward. Okay. So what if, is there a time frame on it? Because what if the judgment is five years old or the, the eviction is five years old or something like that? And then they have, you know, redeemed themselves and now have great rental history. Is that taken into consideration? No. Okay. So it absolutely has to be off. What, so what if it's on there, but paid off? It's a zero balance. Is that? That's fine. Okay. We're good with that. We just don't want it to be an outstanding debt okay. that's still owed. Okay. If I'm in that 500 to 579 score and I, you know, I feel like I could, you know, ready to purchase a home. I have good credit. I have good uh, rental history. Um, what are, you know, so what are, what are some tips just to get ready? I know definitely having that reserves in place. What, is there anything else you suggest? One thing that we suggest on the program is that looking at the lease with option programs such as Divi, uh, Home Partners, Dream America, because those plans or those programs will give you the additional time to number one, establish better credit, because ideally we'd want to get you, you know, at least to a 620, 640 so that you can get favorable um, interest rates, favorable closing costs, um, favorable down payment. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it would allow you to save some money. But so, the sweet thing about those programs is, is that you really don't want to be in them no more than a year. Mm -hmm. That's something mm -hmm. that, um, I want to flush out just real quickly because a lot of people do ask about lease purchase options. And like you mentioned, you don't want to be in the lease side of it for no more than a year. And I don't, you know, uh, I want to be objective about it, but I feel like a lot of times with the lease purchase, definitely the buyer has the, up, I'm sorry, the seller has the upper hand. So the buyer has to stay on top of everything and make sure that everything is paid on time. Uh, you know, as far as rent is concerned and making sure that they uphold whatever it is in that lease agreement so that they can get to the, the purchase agreement and also make sure they get to that purchase agreement and be and ready when it's time to purchase so that they don't right. lose money and things like that. So that's something that I always talk to uh, buyers about when they call me about a lease purchase. You know, I let them know this, you know, it, it, it can work. It'll work for you if you, if you ain't, if you're ready to work it. <laughs> but if there are any mistakes on your part as the buyer, it could be detrimental financially. That is correct. Main thing is to get on the path to home ownership. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the people who've had the 500 to the 579, yes, there's been some extenuating circumstances that have happened. We get that. 
Um, but if you can just manage to get your credit reestablished and can get to a 580, then you can get to the three and a half percent down. as opposed to the 10% down. Now, again, the rates are still going to be a little bit higher than regular market. And, and the cost of that rate is going to be, you know, high, but you're still going to get the benefits of home ownership because the thing about it is 12 months after you've been into that mortgage, we can take and refinance you out to a cheaper interest rate. Mm -hmm. So this market is really crazy right now. FHA buyers are getting the, the, bad rep, which is why I talk, talk to realtors on a daily basis to help them to understand that at the end of the day, um, whether it's FHA, VA, or conventional, the seller still gets their check. Hmm. And yeah, that's what the I seller's concerned about. The thing with the sellers is they, they're looking for the highest bid uh, and the quickest closing. And so usually those are cash buyers or you know conventional loan uh, holders, and so and it's really tough on FHA, you know, because they they can't. And a lot of times these, not a lot of times, just about all the time, the bids are over the asking price, and you know usually you don't have those that movement with a FHA loan. You have to either search, of course, search for a home that's less than what you've been approved for, so you can have that wiggle room. But then if at appraisal time. You know, if the if the home is appraised for more than what you've offered, now you're stuck in something because and now the, the sellers are asking, well, if it's over, <laughs> if the appraisal is less than what you've offered, then I expect you to pay it, you know. And so um, that that's, you know, been the dilemma, I think, out here in the streets, <laughs> in the real estate streets, you know, trying to get these FHA uh, loans accepted and also um not only with the the uh, FHA loans, but the down payment assistance. They look when you when they find out you have down payment assistance, it's you know they want to shy away from that as well. Right, and, and and so to counteract that point, FHA will allow you to pay more than the appraised value. You just have to have, have the to cash in pocket <laughs> in order to do that. Yeah, and yeah. that's where a lot of people do not. Um, have the cash mm -hmm. so my thing is if you know that you don't have the amount to pay more than you know the list price then you need to look at a cheaper house mm -hmm. and based upon that cheaper house then build in what funds you do have so that you can be competitive out here um, in the marketplace fha deals can close in 30 days so i, I want to get rid of, of that uh misnomer the only thing that holds us up is the appraisal and that's seven business days. So if the seller knows that there's some things wrong with the property, then, you know, the seller can fix it before the appraiser gets out there. We don't have to send the appraiser out there twice. Mm -hmm. But in this market, you know, sellers feel entitled that they don't have to do anything. Yeah, they but eventually the market is going to change. And unfortunately for a lot of African-Americans, they are FHA buyers. And at this time, they are just not able to purchase housing until the market changes. So I just tell all my buyers just to be encouraged that this market will change. And when it does change, 
um, you'll be in a much better position financially to be able to buy the house that you want at a price that is comparable as opposed to 30 and 40 and $50,000 over list price. So yeah, you just got to it, sit tight. It is a ridiculous. And I have a colleague uh, that received an offer and the seller accepted it. It was almost a hundred thousand over the list price. They listed it for 165 mm-hmm. and sold it for 260. So, and who, and I say, you know, the average FHA loan holder can't work with that. They can't, you know, that that's not something they can compete with. And so what are your predictions on the market? Do you have any market prediction? We're going to be in this for another, at least 12 to 18 months. Please. So one thing that I can do, as I said, is just keep my buyers and agents encouraged that eventually the market is going to turn and let's utilize this time to get whatever credit situations cleaned up that need to be cleaned up and save money. Okay. And so when this turns, do you think it's going to be a drastic, maybe, uh, is it going to turn to a buyer's market or is, are the housing prices going to go down? What are you, what are you thinking? It's going to turn to a buyer's market. The prices are going to come down, but they're not going to fall like they did in 2008 to 2012. Mm-hmm. So you won't see, you know, foreclosures and you're getting a house 50% off list price. No, that's not going to happen. What right. you're going to see is foreclosures that come on the market that are going to be at regular market value. Okay. So again, that's why I'm preparing my buyers to say, okay, go ahead. Let's get credit cleaned up. Let's get money. Um, Because, you know, especially with your mom and pop investors, where I think a lot of the um, foreclosures will come from, just from the standpoint, um, all the programs that are out there for um, housing right now is related to owner occupants and not you broke up a little small bit. mom and pop investors okay they're not going to want to house houses up okay say that one more time you broke up just okay so what i said was was that this happening okay the small mom and pop investors mm. where they have two or three houses and the two or three houses is what was supposed to be their retirement income that's where i see the market changing for them because the majority, if not all the programs that are out there right now are for owner-occupied borrowers only. There has not been a lot of relief for investors. So when those properties hit the market, they're gonna be hitting the market as is somewhat close to what market price is. So as a consequence, that's gonna open up for your renovation products. So your your FHA 203K and your Fannie Mae Homestyle and your VA renovation loans are gonna become popular again because people are gonna want to go into these properties and and fix them up so that they're livable. Or you have a situation where in the Atlanta market, we know investors will come in and pay cash and flip them right quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's where I see the opportunity coming for uh, some more inventory coming on the market because right now just the way things are and it, it's starting to loosen up a little bit but not to the point where the uh, supply meets the demand is still going to be very tight at least for the next 12 to 18 months. 
Wow. Okay. Well, that, like I said, that's still not long. And that does, that is some optimism, uh, uh, light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, because, um, that, that does, like you said, give people time to, now, you know, what you're working with, pay things off, you know what you need to do. So get it ready. So that when the market is in your favor, you can optimize your purchase because, you know, right now, you know, you're fighting against so many people, you know, right. Mm -hmm. For one house, 20 offers, 30 offers on one home. So that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Well, Janine, exactly. I appreciate you joining me. I would like um, maybe at some point we can have a live conversation where people can ask you questions because you have so much knowledge. And so where people can ask, uh, you know, just on the spot questions about their personal uh, goals and, and situations that, you know, because if you don't have a loan officer just to call up, you know, to ask, right? you don't know, you don't know what to do. You're just kind of like paying stuff and, and figuring out, you know, just all willy nilly when, you know, I think it would be great to have, you know, you live where you can kind of answer those questions on the spot. So sure, I would love to do that. Work something out like that. But again, thank you for joining me and thank everyone else for listening or watching Tam Knows Real Estate and, oh, would you need? So where can yes. we find you? <laughs> how can we reach you no problem my information is as follows my email address is jhunterj h-u-n-t-e-r at wheelending w-e-l-e-n-d-i-n-g dot com phone number is 317-529-5393 again 317-529-5393 or on every Sunday from 10 to about 12-ish, you can find me on Clubhouse, how to buy a home with a 550 to a 780 credit score. Okay, how to buy a home with a 550 to 579 credit score, and that's on Clubhouse. So what right. I'll do, I'm gonna put your information in the uh, message area. So uh, anyone that wants to contact you, they can, and again, Thank you guys for joining Tamno's Real Estate. Thank you, Janine. And we'll see you all next time. Tamno's Real Estate, she do. Uh, yeah. Tamno's Real Estate, real, uh.